<laughs> yes. I go by Eric, Steve, however you want to call me, depending on the day. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just funny because we don't even look any alike. He has hair, I don't. So it's just funny. But I promise you that I'll be quick today. We got a Browns game. I know some of you are trying to go there. I don't want you to be looking at your, at your watch and be like, okay, I, I, come on, Eric. Come on, wrap it up. Uh, come on, Steve, wrap it up. Yeah, so we all know what's going to happen, but still we have to, you know, we have to at least hope. But anyways, uh, I am so excited to be here tonight with you guys and to be able to share uh, about the Word of God, literally about the Word of God as we are discussing Psalms 119. Now, uh, I love to, when I'm a people's person, and so I love to ask questions, to get conversations going. And I'm sure that if you've been in church long enough, you have been asked this question at one point or another. If you could relate to any Bible character in the Bible, who would that be? If you could be any character in the Bible, who would you, who would you be? Maybe those two questions you have been asked. In fact, I would like you to share with one another quickly. If you could be anyone of any character of the Bible, who would you be? Or if you could relate with anyone in the Bible, who would you relate with? Would it be Paul? Would it be David? Go ahead, share with each other. Now, here's the, here's the interesting thing about this question, because in my time in ministry, in my time in church, in my time uh, just being around Christians, I have heard many names, and many, in, in fact, a lot of those names tend to be the same, Paul, Peter, David, Noah, and so on. And one name that I have not heard, personally, I have never heard mentioned, and I'm curious if any of you guys ever mentioned, is the name Ezra. Did anyone here said, I would like to be like Ezra or I can relate to Ezra? Oh, I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> good. You did not read my illustration. Okay, so I have never actually met anyone that have, will answer that question, I would like to be like Ezra. Ezra is one of those characters in the Bible that is like often overlooked. Because he didn't, he didn't do anything that we will say astronomical or crazy or like, he wasn't like David who killed Goliath. He wasn't like Paul that, that he was preaching someone for his full sleep and he rose him from the dead, right? He wasn't like Peter who, who walked on water. He wasn't not like any of these characters that we grew up hearing. Maybe we watched it on VeggieTales. Maybe we, our parents told us. Maybe, you know, here in church we heard about it. But Ezra is one of those characters that is often overlooked. Now, what I love about Ezra, and here's why I'm bringing him up, is because Ezra was a very important leader that God will raise for the nation of Israel at a time of need. There was the nation of Israel was on exile, and many of them realized and, and had a desire to go back to the nation of, of to Jerusalem so that they could build a temple and worship God. The temple of God have not already been destroyed. They have no access to that. And they wanted to build this temple because they wanted to worship God. But one of the things that was happening, one of the things that was going on in this time is that there was so much corruption. There was so much idolatry. There was so much sin happening in the culture of the nation of Israel. And so God is going to raise a man that is going to go and be the person responsible to instruct the Israelites, he was going to be the one responsible to instruct them about how and why they should be holy in the way that they behave, in the way that they act. And I love the description of Ezra. In Ezra chapter 7 verse 10, we're told that Ezra proposed in his heart. 
He made the commitment. He made the decision that he was going to study the law of God. Not only was he going to study the law of God, he was going to do it. And not only was he going to do it, he was going to teach it to everyone in Israel. That is remarkable. That is impressive. And yet we don't often overlook, we often overlook that aspect of Ezra. None of us will say, yes, I would like to be like Ezra. My appeal to you today is as we dive into Psalms 119 and we get to see David's love for the word of God, that just like Ezra, you and I will make a commitment, a decision to study the word of God, to value the word of God, to do it. And to teach it to others. The question I want to start with is this question. How much do you value the word of God? How much do you value the word of God? Think about that for a second. How much do you value the word of God? What does the word of God mean to you? See, in Psalms 118... Very long chapter. One of the things that I love about it the most is that it is believed that this chapter was written throughout David's life. Not, it was not just written at one sitting. That he wrote this throughout his life and despite the events that he faced, despite of the circumstances, despite of how much he had and how much he lacked. You get to see in chapter 119 how much he loved the word of God. And in the portion that we're going to be addressing today, we're going to see how David is going to experience some things. And we're going to see what it is that he does when he experiences those things. Things that you and I experience even in, to, in, in today's world. But not only that, we'll get to see his commitment to the word of God. And my hope and desire will be that once we're done with this, that you and I will appreciate the word of God just like David did. And, well, and like again, that we will dispose ourselves, that we will devote ourselves to study it, to meditate it, and to do everything that is set in the Bible for us to do as believers. And so, without further ado, we're going to jump in right away in Psalms 119, verse 17. Here's what we see here. In verse 17, we're going to see David's desire. His desire, a desire that you and I most likely have or have had or will have at some point in our life. It said here in verse 17 of chapter 119. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. This statement that David is making here. Deal with your servant bountifully. If you're honest and if I'm honest... That is something that we have said to God at some point in our, in our life. We may have not used the word bountifully, but we may have said to God, Hey God, let today be a day out of where I face no problems. Let today be a day where I can sense your blessings in my life. Let today be a day where things work out the way that they're supposed to work. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we have verses in the Bible that would hint to this. We're told that God says to his people that to ask him whatever we want and that he will give us according to his will more than we could ever imagine. We have other verses that says you have not because you don't ask. And so the reality is that it's okay to hope 
that to have a desire where God will deal with you and me in a way that is full of blessing, that things will go without any problems. And yet the question, and what we will see here, is how you and I tend to respond when life do not go like, like planned, when things don't go the way that we want them to go. How do you and I respond when things don't work out? How do you and I respond to when life throws all those curves at us where we are wondering where we are standing, where we're wondering what to do, where we're wondering what not to do. And so we're going to continue verse by verse and we're going to see in the next few verses what is that David, David deals in his, how he deals in his experiences. In verse 18 it says this, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Let's stop there. One of the first things that we get to see is that David, as you and I at times have dealt with, uh, we have been blinded to what's going on. If you're honest, there may have been a time in your life where you've been faced with a situation, a circumstance or something where you do not know what is going on. For the life of you, you cannot see what is that God is trying to teach you. For the life of you, you don't even know what is going on. You're blinded to it. Maybe you think that you're getting your way out of something, but yet you're blinded that you're taking a path of destruction and despair. You think that the things that you're doing are correct. You think that the things that you're enjoying are good for you, but you're blinded to the reality of how those things are destroying you, how those things are destroying your marriage, how those things are destroying your relationship with your kids, and so on. What is that, what, how, how do you deal, how do I deal when we're blinded with the things that we face? I love what David says here because his request to God is this. In verse 18, open my eyes, is his plea. His plea to God is that God, open my eyes. That I may see, that I may behold the wondrous things of your law. When you consider the word of God, when you consider what God has taught us and what we have here written for us to, in today's, in today's uh, time to study and to devote ourselves, we're able to see all the things that we need in order to live a life that is honorable and, a ple and pleasing to him. And even though we may be blinded to what's going on, we have access and we have the opportunity to just like David to request and to ask God to open our eyes to those things that we're blinded to. Do you do that? Do I do that? That's the question. Verse 19, he continues and he says, I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. How do you deal when life puts you in a position when you're lost, that you're lost, where you don't see a way out of things, when you feel trapped, when you feel like you, don't, you cannot find a direction on how to get things better. How do you deal in life? What is that you do when you find yourself trying to find your way out on your own? How do you deal in life when you don't know where to go, what steps to make. David will say here, I am a sojourner, sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. 
his recognition is that he is in this earth wandering. Someone that doesn't have a home. Someone that is just going from one place to another. And because that is the case, he's asking God to not to hide his commandments, his instructions, the things that God has said before the foundation of the world so that his people will follow and that his people will be protected. Hide not your commandment from me is his request. Do you do that? Do I do that? That's the question. Next verse. Verse 21, he will say like he will say this, you rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimony. What do you do when you are ashamed? What do you do when you're dealing with shame? It says here, you rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. He making a, he's making the case that God deals with the people that are proud. Those that are deliberately choosing to wander from God's commandment. And his request will be that God will remove such people from his life because he has kept his commandment. The reality is that we will face ourselves, and you may have faced this already, and if not, you will face this, that there will be times where we're going to be dealing with shame. We're going to be dealing with people like that, that are insolent, people that are cursed, people that are prideful and that they don't want to do anything with God. And many times what they do for us in those circumstances is that they will make you and me feel like ashamed. And many times we are those people. We are the insolent. We are the accursed ones. We are the ones that think that we know better. We are the ones that we try to get things on our own. We are the ones that think that we can figure out what to do and how to do it and put ourselves in a position where we find ourselves full of shame. David's request here and why he, what he's experiencing is that God will remove such things from him as he is continuing to keep his testimony. As he continued to keep the things that are told of God. As he continued to keep the things that we can know about God. Again, what do you do? What do I do when we're dealing with shame? That's the question. Verse 23, he says, and I think this one right here is very uh, unique. And and we'll deal with that in a second. It says, even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. See, we don't know precisely when David wrote this portion. And if it is true that David wrote this chapter throughout his life, it will be safe to assume that he would have been aware or later on he will, be, he will come to find out that what was going to happen with him and his son. You may know this, you may not, but David had a son named Absalom who will turn his back from him and who actively pursued to kill David. Imagine that, your own son persecuting you, trying to kill you to take your, his throne. That's what David experienced. And whether that had happened at this point or not, I could only imagine if it did happen at this point, what David felt when he wrote this words right here as he says, In verse 23, even though prince sit plotting against me, 
even though those with authority, those with power, my own son, if that was the case in this time, are there to plot in against me, to destroy me, to hurt me, to hinder me, to distract me, to wander me, whatever it is, even, even those people with power and authority out there, and they're trying to plot against me, he says, your servant will meditate on your statues. Let that sink in. Those with authority, those with power, those that may have a saying on how we live life, they may come and they may plot against us. And instead of us trying to fight it on our own, instead of trying to do X, Y, and Z, David's re- the, the desire and his answer to such a scenario was that he will meditate on his statues. That he will meditate on the things that are clearly, that were clearly said of God. That he will meditate on the things that were clearly stated of what he is, who he is, and what he was for. And then in the next few verses, we're going to jump into another portion where we get to see now David's commitment. We get to see now David's commitment to, uh, to these things. Now, this verse right here that we're about to read next is it's a heavy verse. And, and I will make the case that this next verse is something that all of us at one point or another should get to. And if you haven't come to that point in your life, I would say that you better pray that you come to that point in your life. The next verse says this in verse uh, 25. He says, my soul clings to the dust. My soul clings to the dust. Think about what he's saying there. My soul clings to the dust. Who, Who he was, all that he was. Had nothing to grasp. He was nothing. And his request will be the follow. He will say, my soul cling to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Have you ever come to a point in your life where you came to realization that you're nothing? That all the things that you think are worth for you to hold on to, they're worthless? That what you think that has value in your life would actually not bring anything to you the way that you are hoping for them to bring. That the only thing that can bring life to you, the only thing that can impart you is the actual word of God. It's, it's the fact that we can find his word. Where we can find the fact in his word that we can learn that God will send his son Jesus to die on the cross for your mistakes, for my mistakes. That in that relationship there is life in abundance. I remember I was, uh, I was about 21 years old. Or yeah, 20, 29, or 21, 20 years old. I found myself in Florida. I was not living in America at that time. I came here to Florida on vacation to celebrate Christmas. And, you, and I may have shared this story here before, but if in case, you know, no, no matter. But I remember that I came here and I was in a time in my life that I would say that I felt like David. Where I was clinging to nothing. That I had nothing to hold on to. And in a hotel in Florida, 
with no idea where we were. I remember there asking God to bring life to me. And it was crazy because in those moments, I was a believer at that point. I was, I was lost in my sin. I was lost in my struggles. I was lost in my uh, acceptance of the things that the world were giving me. And I remember that out of nowhere, verses came coming out. Things that kept reminding me of who God was. And, what it was, and, and things that kept reminding, verses that kept reminding me of what it is that I needed to do. How I needed to devote myself to honor him. How I needed to change my lifestyle. And it was in that moment that I rededicated my life to God. It was in that moment that I said, I want to serve him for the rest of my life. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know I was going to be a pastor in Akron, Ohio. I didn't know that I was going to even move to America. But I I knew this, that I needed to change my lifestyle. That I needed to honor God. And that happened because God used his word to bring life to me just like David and Parker here. I did not intend to spend that much time on that. But that is something that I would ask. That if you have never been in a place in your life where you have come to realization that nothing, that everything that you have is nothing. If you do not have God in your life, then I would ask that you would pray that and that that would happen to you. Because there's nothing else that matters if you do not have a relationship with God. And there's no way for you and I to know God if we do not have his word. He proceeds then in in the next few verses, as we're going to see David's commitment. In verse 26, he will say, when I told told of my ways, you answer me, teach me your statutes. And his commitment with the word of God, you see here clearly that he had a commitment to learn from him. His requiring, his asking of God, God, teach me your commandments. And my request and my appeal to you and me today is that just like David, we wouldn't ask God to teach us through his word. That the Bible that you and I have, that the, that the, 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 the book that you and I have is not just something that we just store in our shelf and grab whenever we need it. That it's not something that we just carry twice a week. That it's not something that we open when we feel like we need to open. But that is something that we are actively and diligently seeking to study and to learn from. Just like David will say here. His second commitment we'll see here, and this is not a, a, a limited, but this is what we see in this, in this portion of the Bible. Verse 27, he says this, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Not only to learn from it, but to meditate on it. To take the time, the deliberate time to study it, to allow the word of God to do his work in your life, in my life. To think through what it's actually saying. To not be so dismissive of the things that God wants to teach us when we op- open and study his word. I remember uh, two years ago, three years ago, I, uh, I grew up, and this is a way of kind of like bringing you into context. My dad is someone that loves to read. I don't know how and why he died, he's like that, but he loves to read. Any opportunity he has, he will read. He will spend hours and hours in a day reading. In fact, when he comes here to Ohio on vacation and visiting, we make, we make fun of him because in my house we have a guest room. In our guest room, he set up this stage where he can read. And he will spend all day in there. He came all the way from the Dominican Republic just to read. Imagine that. It's like that. You can go to Walmart. You can go to Target. You can do all this stuff. But you're reading. He really loves to read. 
But I remember that I would wake up, getting ready. I would, you know, I would get up at seven to go to, to get ready to go to school, and I would walk out of my room, and my dad would be reading. I remember I would get a shower, I get ready. It was about eight. My dad was still reading, and it never faced me. It never hit. It never hit me. It was just the thing that I grew up seeing. He will read the Bible. He will read. He will read. He will read. So one day, not too long ago, I asked him, Dad, how many books do you read a year? And he said, oh, I read about three books. And I started laughing. I said, Dad, you're the worst reader in the world. You mean to tell me you spent that much time reading but you only read three books a year? Well, then he explained to me, and it it never faced me, all he reads, not that I'm advocating for that just only, but all that he read was the word of God. And all that he did, he explained to me, he will sit and devote himself to dissect everything that he was reading. He would grab the passage and study everything that he was there. He would not move off from the verse till he knew what he was saying. He would meditate on the things that were right in front of him. It was not just a task for him. It was not something that he would just do to be, okay, did it today. Oh, it's the verse of the day. Don't read it. I'm good. Oh, I did my quiet time. No, he would meditate on it. And just like David, my appeals for you and me today is that we will meditate on the instructions, that we will meditate on the things that God is teaching us through his word. That it will not be something that we will be so dismissive but that we will give it the appropriate time for it, for it to have a work in our life. Number three, to be strengthened by it. In verse 28 it says this, my soul melts down away for sorrow. We've been there. If you're human, you've been there. Let's be honest. You have felt that you are melting down. Maybe it's a financial crisis. Maybe when you were back in high school, the girl that you liked didn't like you back and you were having a meltdown. Maybe the fact that you're a parent now with your kids, you don't know what to do with them. You have, we have been there at one point or another where we feel meltdown. And I love the commitment that we see here from David where he says in verse 28, My soul melts away from sorrow, but then his plea is, strengthen me according to your word. His source of strength, it's not his ability, it's not his own solution, it's not his wisdom, it's not what his possession. His, strength, his source of strength, strengthening was the fact that he would plead to God for his worth to come and strengthen him. I don't know if any one of you find yourself in a position like that today where you feel like in a position where you're melting down, where life is just crumpling on you. Let me encourage you. That you have everything that you need to be encouraged and to be strengthened and strengthened in the word of God. If you take the time to study it, if you take the time to allow to, for it to work in your life, I, 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 I'm confident that God will use his word to strengthen you in a time of need. Number four, he says in verse 30, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. And so not only to, be, to learn from it, not only to meditate on, it, on its instructions, to be strengthened by it, we also see here that he's committed to follow, to faithfully follow the parameters that are set there. So in verse 30, he says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. Of all the options that he had, he chose to be faithful. Faithful in what, he says. In, verse, in, in, in the next portion, he says, to be faithful in setting the rules before him, the rules that God had instructed him, the things that he knew that God had taught him 
throughout the words that they had, he had access at the time, those instructions, those parameters that he had, he put those things before him. He faithfully chose the parameters that God had set before him. So you and I need to be committed to study the word of God. And as we are studying it and we come across those parameters, those things that clearly are said in the Bible that you and I should do as Christians, we are to be faithful in following those things. That when it is said that you and I need to be pure, we're going to be faithful to complete, to, to keep that parameter. That we're not going to allow the temptations of the world, the things that may be enticing, a, a, fleeing pleasure, a, a fleeing moment of pleasure. That we're not going to allow those things to keep us or to hinder us because we're going to set ourselves, we're going to set those parameters around us that are, are found in the word of God. That's what David was committed. Number Five, it says in verse 31, I cling to your testimony, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I read the word cling and I cannot help to think about what my daughter, my older daughter does when I come home. She comes and grabs my leg and she doesn't want to let go. Or right now her new thing is to grab me around my neck and it's so tight that I sometimes I have to take her up because I feel like I cannot breathe. She's, she's two years old right now and so she's, that's all, she feels like she's Spider-Man for whatever reason. So she's clinging to things. But think about the picture that David is putting here. He says here, I cling to your testimony, I hold on. To the things that are told of you. I hold on to the, to the things that have been known of you, of who you are and what you are for. I hold on to those things, O oh Lord. And so do not let me put, put to shame. It's to be committed to, the, to, to embrace the things that are known of God. It's to be committed to embrace the things that are known of God. And that it does not matter what life may throw our way. Our ways, that it doesn't matter the circumstances that we may find ourselves, that it doesn't matter how hard and difficult things are, we're gonna cling to what we know is truth of God. And the only way for us to do that is to know Him through His Word. The last thing in verse 32, he says this I will run in the way of your commandments. When you enlarge my heart. Now keep in mind, this is the man that when he was standing in a balcony, he saw a woman taking a shower. And he plotted to, you know, do the thing with her. We got a kid in the audience. Um, so he plotted, he plotted all of this stuff. This is the same man that is now saying in this portion, he says, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. We have to be passionate and committed to pursue the instructions that we have in the Bible. The things that God has clearly stated. The things that God has clearly, clearly given to us in his word. We have to be passionate and committed to run and to pursue after his instructions. That David, a man after God's own heart, recognized the necessity to run. Not to walk. Not to case time, not to consider, not to tell himself, oh, I got this. Oh, I can, I, I'm strong enough. Oh, it was only one slip. I can put myself again in that situation. I won't fall again. No, it's to run pursuing the instructions that we have in the word of God. This is the man that we see that is called after God man's own heart. Just in these few verses, we get to see a man who 
really, really valued the Word of God. A man that was devoted to learn from the Word of God. A man that wanted to, that when things were going the way that were not supposed to go, his source will be the Word of God. What about you? What about me? That's the question. So, real quickly, I'm going to give you guys seven minutes because of time. I went a little bit over. Seven minutes because uh, I think the game is at what, 830? 8 o'clock. Okay, so seven minutes of discussion. I got you guys. Seven minutes, all right? And, and you know, these are some questions here. So I would want you guys to address them all, but pick and choose if you don't have, if you don't have seven minutes. So question number one, how much do you value the word of God? Be honest. Be transparent. Open up. Share it with each other. How much do you value the word of God? Number two, what is a Bible verse that has impacted your life greatly? What is that Bible verse that has impacted your life greatly and why? Number three, why is it hard to be committed to what we learn from the Word of God? Why is it difficult to commit to something that we learn from the Word of God when we know we need to do it and yet we choose not to? Why is that hard? And then number four, are you willing, this is a challenge, are you willing to make a commitment with those on your table to study, to meditate, and to apply God's Word in your life? And here's how it will become a challenge. If you say yes, I want you to express to each other what is the commitment that you're making. Not just say, hey, yes, I'm making a commitment. No, explain to that. What is the commitment? Is it to read the Bible for 10 minutes a day? Is it to memorize a verse a day or however, whatever that is, express it and share it with each other so that we may hold each other accountable to being men that actually love and value the word of God. All right, seven minutes. for telling others about Jesus. I don't know why they didn't shoot me. The interrogations are the only time I am out of solitary. I am losing hope and fear I have been forgotten. 
I recite Bible verses to myself, but the words are getting harder and harder to remember. I can handle the torture, the starvation, but I desperately need my Bible. Every day I pray over and over for God to give me a Bible. Now I have my chance. The interrogations have ended, and the guards trust me to go into the jungle to gather firewood. Working as fast as I can, I will collect two days' worth of firewood. I'll bring one bundle back. I'll leave the second bundle in the woods. This is what I need to do. It is very risky. But God is answering my prayer. I will risk everything to have a Bible. I don't want to leave my wife, but I have to, or she will be in danger. Leaving her is so hard. God has answered my prayer. I have a Bible, but I must be careful. They found my Bible, but I would not give up. I will bring in more Bibles. I will read God's word every chance I get. Then the letters came. Letters from me. Letters from Christians all over the world. God not only answered my prayer for a Bible. He let me know I am not forgotten. แล้วก็ขอบคุณพระเจ้าขอบคุณอนาพี่น้องทั่วโลกที่อธิษฐานอ่อนวอนเพื่อโอ้แล้วก็มู่คู่ที่น้องอยากจะคุกแล้วก็
was on my uh, I was on my first year in college uh, for for to to become a, I guess to learn uh, my first years of college to study the Word of God. So I went to a Bible Institute, and on a conference, a group of people, individuals came. They were part of the ministry called uh, the Voices of Martyrs, which is a ministry where they try to highlight people from around the world, that are believers from around the world that are persecuted. And they want to share their stories to, to those of us that are not persecuted. And they shared this video. And I remember sitting in the audience, overwhelmed, with tears, filled with tears and conviction. There I was at a college, supposedly to study the Word of God. And yet I couldn't say with clear conscience that I loved the Word of God to the amount that this man did. And you know what was convicting? I had... Multiple Bibles in my possession. Not only in English, I had them in Spanish. I had multiple books that were written specifically about the Bible. I had electronic devices that I could have free access to the Bible. And I could not say that I love and value the Bible as much as this man. The question, that question that came at the end, what would you do? What are you willing to do for a Bible? Man, I will come short to that. If that, I would answer that to how I was living my life to that point, that answer was very disappointing. I don't know about you. I don't know about me today. But I will tell you this. The question that we started was how much do you value the Bible? And I hope that as we continue on this study on Psalms 119, as we continue to see David's heart and his devotion and his commitment and his love for the word of God, that you and I today will learn that, that would embrace that, that we will make a commitment today and every day to devote ourselves, kind of like Ezra, to study the word of God, to meditate it, to do it, and to teach others about what it says. That we will value the word of God for what it is which is the actual word of the living God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have tonight to study and to open your word. Father, I pray that it will not just become white noise to us, that it will not just become something that we just do once a week or twice a week or however often, Lord, but that when we look at your word, that we will value it for what it is, Lord. That we will be intentional in allowing it to teach us and in allowing it to speak to us, Lord, in such a way that it will in, in, impact all areas of our life. That we will not think that we have arrived, but that we will understand, Lord, kind of like David, that there's nothing for us to cling in this life, but that how desperate we need your word to bring us life, to bring us encouragement, to bring us a, a, a strength, and so that we will be committed to study it to meditate on it, and to do everything that is on it, Lord. I pray, Father, that this room right here, every single one of us, that we will be committed to study it, to value it for what it's worth, and to be able to live it out in all areas of our life. Father, I pray this in your name. Amen. Good evening and man studies. <laughs>